Hi, this is Brittany, and welcome to the Reclusive Blogger Interviews. After being diagnosed with leukemia in 2005, Mike Peters co-founded the charity Love, Hope, Strength with a fellow cancer survivor. In our interview, we chat about his charity, his time making music with the alarm, the pros and cons of social media, and his new album, Forwards, which is out now, a body of work written during a new cancer relapse. Um, I guess we're, I, I guess we're just going to kind of start off about kind of get a little bit of insight to get a little background into your story and yeah, just, just a little bit on that, kind of who you are. Well, I'm from Wales in the UK and I started a band called The Alarm mm-hmm. in 1981, uh, having, uh, mm-hmm. experienced life as a punk rocker in the UK seeing the Sex Pistols and The Clash, Mm -hmm. and then coming on to America in 1983 with U2 and and then experienced our first TV shows in the USA with uh, American Bandstand and The Cutting Edge on MTV. And we were at the birth of all the alternative music scene that was growing at the time with R.E.M. and everyone like that. And, And we've been around one form or another ever since. And uh, you know, we've survived a lot of life to be here. I'm a three-time cancer survivor, and I'm lucky yeah. to be alive to tell the story. Can you kind of talk about more what kind of what some of your influences were back then? Sure, and yeah. yeah and well, how they maybe have changed as you've kind of grown, kind of grown up during your music career. Yeah, well, when when I got into uh, the early days of punk rock, and it was it was very creative. It was a time when you couldn't buy clothes that you wanted to wear. You had to seek them out in places that were, could be dangerous. You, you you couldn't go online. There was no internet. You couldn't just buy a pair of tight black black jeans then. Or if you wanted to have a T-shirt that was cool, you had to paint spray it yourself or sew a zip into it. Or, or, or to make a statement, you had to be creative with the clothes you were wearing, with your personality, with your band. You could people starting fanzines and writing about groups and fashion and record Mm -hmm. and that's how we shared our information that's how we gathered our information you'd you'd go into a big city in the UK and you'd see somebody who had maybe something that was slightly homemade or something that was different and and you'd start speaking because that was the only way you could get information from this uh young youth grapevine and that sort of fueled the bands we were into and and then it was a, uh, it was a great creative period, and and it, the, the ramifications of it are still felt today. Punk rock is is there in all kinds of fashion. It's uh, you know without punk rock um, mentality and in, in, intuition, we wouldn't have a, a lot of the things that we have on the internet now. A mm-hmm. lot of those things that drive Gen X, if you like, are, 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 yeah, they've, they've been created for them by people who are grew up in, in my generation and, and wanted access to immediate communication. But because we couldn't have it, it meant we can really appreciate it and we can find the way to create it and, and pass it on to all those who are younger than us who've got, you know, want, want to be able to say things across the globe and share cultures across the planet. 
And since you mentioned that, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on, um, I guess, social media today and how fans are kind of breaking in using things like TikTok and and things like that. What are your thoughts on that? I think they're great because, you know, most, most artists uh, become strong by having doors closed on them when they're young and they're aspiring and they're trying to realize their dreams. And nowadays with the YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, all, all those sort of platforms, you can have an outlet if, you ha- if it's been denied to you and you can be who you want to be. You can find out what you want to become by being part of those uh, platforms. You can find like-minded people. You can get connected with communities uh, that, that you, you feel like you can belong to. And uh, but you know, there's a dark side to the internet as well, isn't there? There's, mm-hmm. you know, I was I've grew up with with parents who said to me, if you haven't got anything good to say, don't say anything at all. And and mm-hmm. that, but nowadays, you can wake up in the morning and if you're on those platforms, Instagram, and you're posting nice things about your birthday party or being with your family at the weekend or hanging with, out with your friends, there's always somebody good good posting creates jealousy for other people as well and they can't resist saying something and sometimes you can read those bad comments and it can affect your whole day it can affect who you are it can affect your long-term view of life so you have to be strong to go onto the internet as well and and maintain your focus and not be uh, distracted by the negative noise that unfortunately the internet does amplify quite loudly i think a lot of music critics as well have have kind of amplified as some of the their negative I guess not I wouldn't say negativity but I guess a lot of the um I think a lot of music critics have also amplified the way that they review yeah because um, their songs I albums co- I've come from an era when when music journalist um journalism was all there was and and that's mm-hmm. all people would read to find out about bands and there was there was no alternative other than maybe fanzines, like I mentioned earlier. And I think in the eighties, music journalism could, became quite cruel because they they got seduced by the power they had, and the, and the power they had over the audience. And and I think some critics could make or break an artist with their articles. Yeah. And and there was no way of an artist to go to answer back almost uh, except from the mm-hmm. stage or, and and often it was too late because the articles had come out after the bands left town and uh, and and uh, music journalists contributed to the serious negative mental health of a lot of amazing artists you you think of Kurt Cobain from yeah. uh, you know you think what the music press did to him uh, and and they have to take some responsibility when if you're going to write negatively i think you have to be uh, prepared for the damage it can do and uh, you have to think twice and that's, that's why it brings back to the way my parents brought me up if you don't have anything good to say don't say anything if you go to see the band yeah. and you don't like them don't write the review leave it for somebody who does like the band and um, you know because I, 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 I never go to a show and see a hundred percent of the people booing the band off stage generally I hear 90 <laughs> yeah. percent like the band and then 10% mm-hmm. might think, oh, it's not for me, or I haven't seen, I'm going to have to come back to the mm-hmm. next show. I don't know the music. And I don't think you can base the review on, if you're that person, if you're in that minority, 
then leave the review to someone who's actually participated, what the majority have felt from that concert, because that's the true mm -hmm. picture of the show. And unfortunately, a lot of music journalism is based on a minority, a minority person who goes into the show and thinks, I'm not going to like this, I don't like the band, and, and all these people are enjoying them are off their minds. And uh, I think that's, that's really cruel and also not, not responsible enough for considering the amount of power that can come and the amount of influence that they have with their, at their, the point of their pen. Yeah, and also to add on to that, a lot of is a lot of it now is like, oh, look at the power I hold, and more clicks, and more likes, and more people that can drive to that they can drive to their account, and a lot of it is just like, oh, more followers, more likes, more this and more that, and it's just kind of like this endless cycle of more, 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 me, 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 <laughs> and they're not even really thinking about the that at the end of the day just like you're a creative as well. The artist is a creative and yeah, to me, it's all, it's think all of it about, from that aspect. it's all about being, it's all about if you're making music, it's about putting your energy into music making. If you're about being an actor, it's about putting your energy into the acting. If you're going to be a clothes mm -hmm. designer, design the clothes and put all the energy into those things rather than the energy of trying to become famous and, stay mm -hmm. on top of your social profile and generate likes yep. and just be happy with what you've got that you get from your parents or your best friends or the, the, those closest to you and the energy that comes back to you from someone liking your painting or liking the way you look that mm -hmm. day. That's I think that's the best thing rather than these these so likes and dislikes that come from afar and have got you don't even know who those people are. It's uh, it, mm -hmm. And they can have such a... They can really have a, a lot large sway over your lifetime and I think that's what where you need to be able to be uh, focused on who you actually are rather than what you're creating for yourself because mm -hmm. those images can be false and you can believe you know we're all guilty as artists when you have if you, all you have are great reviews you think wow I'm a genius it's amazing it inevitably goes to your head and just as if everyone's pounding you and saying oh you're terrible and your record's no good you feel like you're worthless and I think you have to find a balance and don't get too high by the praise and don't get too low from the negatives. Try to just stay, stay with a perspective that keeps you on an even balance. I agree. Um, and I guess to kind of relate it back to when you were first starting out, um, do, you, do you think it was worse or better back then when there was, um, I guess, maybe less less of the social aspect and, and less of the, I guess, less electronic aspect as well because it's like computers and things. Or maybe when you were just kind of first starting out and you were just like, oh, I, I've got to just get the music out and things like that. Yeah, look, one one time in my life we, we tried to, we were in a band and we thought, oh, if we only get a journalist to come to see us and write about us then the world would know how good we were. And, and we tried to kidnap a journalist from the New Musical Express in Carnaby Street in London and bundle him into a van and, and make him come and see us. And unfortunately, it went all pear-shaped and it was it got a bit ugly and very embarrassing. And there was an old journalist there called Roy Carr, who's no longer with us anymore, but he broke mm -hmm. up this melee and he pulled me to one side and said, Mike, all this energy, I, I understand it. I appreciate what where you're coming from, but this isn't the way to do it. He said, if you go home 
and pour all the energy you've just showed me right there. Put all that energy into writing your next song. Let that be the vehicle to drive people to see your band, not not these fake um, PR stunts and, and all that. Just put all the energy into the music. And if the music is only meant to take you to the garage, so be it. But if it takes you to Wembley Stadium, then that's great as well. Just live in the moment. And so um, I want to kind of get into um, the some of the things that were in the uh, email and press release that I was um, sent, which is about your charity work and um, the, I guess, kind of talk a bit about that and um, being a, a cancer survivor and I get, and your, and your wife, Jules, was also a cancer survivor, kind of talk about that in the Welsh Chapel that you, um, yeah, well, we, uh, we've were turned into, uh, yeah, yeah, when, when like Sorry. people in the USA, you know, in in Britain, our healthcare system is free to the people who live in the UK, and we don't have to um, sign up to big insurance policies and and the uncertainty that goes with all that. In the UK, the, the National Health Service cares for everybody, regardless of how much wealth they've got or their creed or their colour or their background or their political persuasion. We all get looked after the same, one and equal. Um, and we both, Jules, my wife and I, are very grateful for the treatment we've received over the years of being cancer survivors over a long period of time. And we always wanted to give back to the front line, to the nurses, the auxiliary staff who help tend the wards, keep keep the people upbeat on on the wards while they're receiving treatments for life challenging situations, and so our our resolve was to climb the mountains we could see from the cancer centre in North Wales, and and when we we would take all the alarm fans to the summit and hold an acoustic concert, and uh, and the money we raised we'd give to the nurses. It didn't go into research. We thought there was lots of great charities doing big things for research um and but there wasn't enough for just simple online on on the ward engagement where it's on the front line so whether that was having extra pillows so people could sit up a little bit better while they were having iv or or information to for kids so they could understand what their parents were going through and vice versa so that was where our uh, drive to create a charity called love hope strength was to literally give love hope strength because that's what you need the most to it and you're dealing with it mm -hmm. the drugs are amazing but they don't work without positivity without a mental uh, strength and and you get that from your family and your loved ones around you and then we branched out we went further afield we climbed uh, instead of climbing mountains in wales we've climbed in africa we we did kilimanjaro and and the money we raised we didn't bring it back to the uk or the usa we left it in africa and it goes 10 times further there than it does here in in the united states or in in europe and we helped build a children's cancer center in dar es salaam in Ta in in tanzania and um, we've done the same we climbed everest and we built a cancer center in in kathmandu the back to poor cancer center and we helped provide uh, nepal with its first mammography machine so women who were suffering from breast cancer like Jules did, could could have the treatment in Nepal and they didn't have to fly to India where they had those kind of machines and technology. So we've been able to make a difference with our charity. We've signed up uh, a quarter of a million people to the International Stem Cell Bone Marrow Donor Registry to find matches for people who, like me, have blood cancer and in need 
a donor to um, give them the stem cells to create a boosted immune system where they can fight back against the leukemia and recover and, and gain a normal life again, get their life back. So we've done a, a lot of great things with a lot of great people helping us from fans, bringing, and it, we can't, you can't do it alone. You have to have people who, you have to rely on others. Mm-hmm. And, and luckily the call of Love, Hope, Strength has touched a lot of people's hearts and imaginations and they've rolled up the sleeve and got in the trenches with us and, and we've been able to make a difference and show people the new face of cancer where there is there is a tomorrow with cancer now. There wasn't at one time, but there is now. And if you stay strong mentally, you can enjoy what tomorrow can bring. And that may be a last chance to say goodbye to your children or to hug your wife one more time or to walk into a new future where they can say, you don't have cancer anymore. You can go back to life and, and live to the fullness of time that, that you've been granted on this earth. So that, that's, that's what Love, Hope, Strength is all about. Um, I also read that you are also working on new music. Was that, did you get that idea before or um, after the, you started working on your charity? Yeah, and, no, the, the, um, the, we've, we've got a new album. It's called Forwards. It's out on, on June 16th. And, and that mm-hmm. started life when I was in hospital last year. I was in for a long time because mm-hmm. I was diagnosed with pneumonia, my leukemia reared its ugly head again and started to um, impact on my life in a in a very dangerous way I had to be transitioned mm-hmm. from one drug regime to another and and so I was in hospital for a long time I asked my wife to bring my guitar in on the ward and I just play guitar quietly to myself to keep my fingers going and the the other staff and the patients they always say play it louder you know could you, do you know any songs can you play any they're asking can you play the Beatles or something and you know, I'd sing a little song quietly, and they, they, and everyone was enjoying it. The break from the, the monotony of the heart rate monitor and the, and the respiratory machines that are going all the time, and it just became a break to the, the dull ache of the day in hospital. And and then before you know it, without I couldn't stop myself. New songs started to appear, and there was one day when there was a, a gentleman hovering near the end of my bed and he, he was like you're Mike Peters from the alarm aren't you and I said yeah and he said oh, my dad's in the ward and I've come in to see him and I realized you were here and I, I was telling all the alarm fans on the internet last night that you're in the cancer center and I was thinking oh no people have found out now so I had to write a letter to all the fans to reassure them um well I signed off my letter with the word forwards and I thought that's an that's a new record there and that's a song and they appeared in my imagination straight away, and I was able to transcribe them and give them life through my guitar. And was, as soon as I got out of hospital, recorded them, and now the album's coming out, and I feel good and back to life and ready to play music again live. And I'm in Los Angeles, and life couldn't be better. What is the biggest thing that you learned while building your charity, and what is the... Um, biggest lesson that you learned um while dealing with um cancer and kind of looking back on your life as you were uh dealing with it nothing is insurmountable there's always another way and there's always optimism if you could you know sometimes you have to generate your own hope to be able to get through the night till tomorrow and it's the simple things making the most of the simplest things in life that that's the real wealth in this world the the simple things being able to 
tell somebody that you love them, being able to hold them, being able to give someone a hug and be able to uh, spread a little happiness. That's that's the beauty of life and that's the, the great lesson that, that cancer teaches you. Are there, I kind of want to ask you a little bit more about music. Um, are there any kind of uh, artists, it doesn't have to be within like the rock and punk genre that you're kind of like listening to now that you... Uh, I, I'm a big Northern Soul fan, which is a, a scene that sprung up in the UK in the 70s. And it was a lot of American soul, obscure American soul music, mm-hmm. black music that hadn't become Marvin Gaye, you know, Diana Ross, the Supremes. It wasn't math, massive music, Martha and the Vandellas. And it wasn't, it was, it was underground and, and artists like uh, Dean Parrish or Frank Wilson, artists like that. I, I really love those records, the, the great Northern soul records and, they're played with live drummers and they're, they, they're great to dance to. And, and I think the music is, is uh, it's so alive with energy. And, and I've been rediscovering that recently and, and some amazing records. from. And they generally tend to be American artists like the Tams, you know, Jackie Wilson. I love all those records. They're absolutely beautiful. And they're so uplifting and they make you feel good to be alive. Um, what, are there any new artists that you're kind of into? Yeah, I, I like a band from Dublin called Fontaines DC. I think they're really cool. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I like the fact they sing in an Irish accent, you know, and they, they put their own spin on sort of Irish folk and they make it their own. And I like I like people singing in their own voices, and they're, they're fantastic at that, and the, the, they don't sound like anybody on earth. And I, I think that they're a beautiful band. It was a band from Wales. I, I love who I, I think they might have broken up, but or trying to keep it together. Called Catfish and the Bottlemen. That's a band. I, oh yeah, I remember. I really them. love them, mm-hmm. and they 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 seem to have been affected by the pandemic. But I hope they're still alive and ready to make a new record because they made some great great music. There's a band from Britain called the Lathams that are cool at the moment, and uh, yeah, some some good music out there. I think it's just got to be open to it because it, 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 a lot of these young bands don't have the same outlets anymore and it, and it's mm-hmm. um, don't get a chance to develop and get to the third, fourth album where a lot of the mm-hmm. bands that are huge and you look at the, you know, and nowadays there's still the big bands that headline Glastonbury and, and the big festivals, Coachellas and all that kind of stuff. There's still bands from the 80s and 90s you, you you still think of the killers as being a new band but they started in the 90s but they're not Same mm-hmm. with the fighters you know it's incredible but they're mm-hmm. red hot chili peppers they've been around as long as we have you know it's, and that but they're still seen as being alternative and new because nothing's come along to replace them of late so i, I just hope there's some some bands out there who feel challenged by what we're talking about and think yeah we're going to be the new foo fighters we're going to be the new killers and Let's go for it and make a name for ourselves. Yeah, I was. Wa- I think it was a YouTube video that I was um, watching, and it was talking about how people are so quick to call an artist or a band a flop because um, they had like maybe one single that went big or one album that did really well, but then the next album didn't do as well, and it's like, oh, they they failed, they they That's flopped, it. and I'm like. Exactly. It's ridiculous. You need to give artists chances to grow. Exactly. And, and, Look, I, and again, and I, experiment. I grew up in an era when when we came out, 
and we were playing with the U2s and the Jam or the Clash or, or Bob Dylan and Neil Young, nobody knew what the ticket sales were at gigs. Nobody knew how many albums you'd sold. It wasn't when you were in the Billboard chart like we were in the 80s in the alarm. We were at just number 40 in the chart, but people didn't know how many records we'd sold. They just saw a band doing it and, and being amongst it. And that was enough. And then, then when the internet came, everyone wanted to know what those numbers were. Well, how many people are really at the gig? And it's like, does it matter? Does it matter? You know, let, was the gig good? That's all that counts. But now it's about, you know, how many likes do they have on their Facebook account? Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't matter. Are they any good? You know, is the band good? Let's If they're good, let's leave it at that. But everyone wants to know the numbers and the stats. And the stats mm. aren't always right. The stats don't tell the real story. They don't tell where the real connections are going on. And and I'd much rather it be a society where we didn't have all this obsession with stats and breaking things down. And uh, let's just enjoy the music for what it is rather than, oh, it's not, mm-hmm. it hasn't got a million hits today. Oh, my God, it's all over. Oh, no. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous when you think about it that, we judge society on, on all those kind of criterias now, whereas it, we don't use our ears anymore. We don't lose our instinct anymore. We, we, we have to go on the stats. And the stats, are they, that's the biggest falsehood in life. Yeah, and sometimes the, the stats don't always correlate with what is um, the best or the ta- uh, or most talented. It doesn't, it just... And what, is fame chasing. Look again when I was when I was a kid growing up as well. You could be we all we wanted with it was our artists to ourselves. We wanted them to be underground. We didn't want our artists to become big and popular and liked by our parents mm-hmm. or the people we worked with. We just wanted to have this cool secret, and you can't have that anymore. It's you know it's not no. it's not. But that's where bands can develop, and you. We'll, I'll be with my fans for three or four years. Then we'll, we'll be ready to go overground and get even bigger and all that kind of stuff. But it, it doesn't happen like that anymore. And I think all art is, is is worse off for that now because you can put out some great films and then one critic slams it. The film's over. It's done. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's, it's a yeah. crime. It's not, it's not cool. Not right. What is one thing that people are generally surprised to find out about you whenever they first meet you? That I am who I am and I say what I say and I mean what I mean. And it's, uh, they, they seem to be, uh, that's, you know, they just want me to be me and I, and I am, <laughs> I don't, I, I, people can take me as, as they find me. I'm straight up. And, uh, I don't, I think they're surprised that there's no surprise. <laughs> <laughs> What's, uh, next on the horizon for you? Well, I'm here in the USA. Um, with, well, I'm doing a promo tour, doing lots of interviews and TV and radio and, chats online and then we i go back to the uk in a couple of days and then we start touring again and we're playing shows and uh, we've got some festivals and then we're coming to play in new york on the 23rd and 24th of june doing two nights at the gramercy theater which is going to be fantastic and just can't wait to get back on the boards and put our new album out forwards into the world on june 16th you're talking so much about online stuff. yeah <laughs> where can people find you guys we're easy to find on the online. We're The Alarm, and we're at thealarm.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking uh, the time out and speaking with me. Right, it was very nice talking with you. Nice talking with you, too. Take care. You, too. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye.
I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll see you in the next episode. And don't forget to subscribe, share, like, check me out on socials. This is Brittany, and you have been listening to the Reclusive Blogger Interviews.